This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot, post it on your socials or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Stephanie Kreisberg. Stephanie is a licensed psychologist in private practice in Concord, Massachusetts. She specializes in the treatment of adults with narcissists in their lives, as well as people struggling with anxiety disorders. Her book, Adult Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers, Quiet the Critical Voice in Your Head, Heal Self-Doubt, and Live the Life You Deserve was published by New Harbinger in November 1st of this year, on November 1st of this year. And she's here to talk about the book. And I'm just so excited to get to know her. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Casey. Thanks so much for having me. I love the podcast and um, the work you do. So I'm just really thrilled to be here. Yay. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today. Before we get deep into your book and our topic, I would love to hear a little bit about how you have gotten into the work that you do. Okay. Well, I have been a psychologist for a long time, almost 30 years. And, you know, like most people in careers, over the time, my work has evolved. 
And so I spent a lot of time working with kids and teens and families and adults. And then over the years, I just heard women talking more and more about their pain, their struggles, their difficulties. And it seemed that there was a pattern with women struggling with their relationships with their mothers. Mm -hmm. And the more I saw it, the more I was able to really see the connection between women who had a certain type of mother that we would describe as narcissistic. And that got me interested in exploring that line of work more. I read a book, wonderful book by Carol McBride called Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. I then did some training with her. Over time, developed my own way of working with daughters. And you know, Casey, when I put that up on my website that I was doing that work, I honestly didn't know what to expect. And then I was just shocked that people came out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. There were just so many people who came and said, nobody talks about this. You know, we struggle with this in silence. We're just embarrassed to talk about it. But then when it was out there, you know, people started coming and talking about it. Yeah. I feel like there is a strong wave of interest in the whole like reparenting ourselves Mm -hmm. for people that are currently parenting kids. And I feel like this is even niche down even more, right? Not Mm -hmm. only reparenting ourselves, but really looking at one particular style of parenting, right? That not only that we received, but it sounds like that is ongoing in the relationship that we have with our parents. And so narcissism is a word, I feel like it's kind of a more popular word. I hadn't really thought or heard much about that phrase, that word until pandemic and some close friends of mine, you know, severing relationships and they're a narcissist. And I still don't really know. I'm not super confident that I understand exactly what a narcissist is or what it Mm -hmm. means. Can you explain a little bit more about that for myself and for the people listening? Sure. And, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to explain it. So First, I just want to say that, you know, it's a personality style that's made up of, you know, a bunch of different traits and behaviors. So if you think of a personality as like a puzzle Mm -hmm. and there's going to be different pieces of that puzzle, different colors, different shapes. So I'll start with the big picture. So, you know, that as adults, you know, raising kids that they, you know, grow and mature over time right? From the time they're little kids and they become more mature in different aspects of their personalities. And what happens with someone who has a personality style or maybe what we call a personality disorder, like narcissism, they get stuck in their emotional development. Mm -hmm. So while on the outside, they are an adult, on the inside, They've never psychologically developed and matured like an adult. I would say many narcissists are at best a Mm preteen. At times they act like maybe an elementary school kid, maybe even a preschooler or a toddler. Okay. Their behavior and their emotional functioning is all over the place, but they have not matured into an adult. Mm -hmm. And it's really their behavior is driven 
by this deep insecurity inside. Mm -hmm. So even though they may seem like they have all the confidence in the world, like they're the most puffed up, grandiose person, inside, they're a really fragile person. Like, you know, like a delicate piece of china that if you just like flick it, it Mm -hmm. could just crack. And everything you see on the outside is just a facade to manage that. Okay. So I'll just start with that. Okay. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. 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 That makes sense so far. That makes sense so far. Okay. So what are some of the behaviors that we see or what are some of the other things that go along with that? If you are a narcissist, you lack some of the basic things that we want, you know, our young adults and adults to be able to do to understand and handle emotions, Mm -hmm. have empathy for other people, to know who you are, to have goals and directions in life, to, and just to have a sense of yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. None of that ever got developed. And so as a response, they're very rigid and inflexible. And to make it worse, they have no self-awareness. Okay. Mm -hmm. They don't know that they're not like that. They have no insight into themselves. So therefore, they're incredibly often very sensitive to criticism. Everything is somebody else's fault because to be criticized means that that insecurity inside just comes crumbling down. Everything they do has to support, you know, that really fragile sense of self, Mm -hmm. even though it seems like they feel like they're the best thing that ever was. Although that there's really two main types of narcissists, what we call the grandiose. That's kind of the stereotype of you know, I don't know, think of that character from the Meryl Streep from The Devil Wears Prada, mm-hmm. you know, that character, the editor who just thought that she was the best person in the world and treated everyone horribly. And then what we call the covert or vulnerable narcissist. Mm-hmm. And let's say it's a mother that might be someone who is very sick or anxious or needy, doesn't seem like she thinks highly of herself at all but she needs everyone around her, including her children, to take care of her. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, the whole world revolves around her. Right. So that's a place to start. Yeah. Is it something that is developed based on circumstance or is it wiring or is it both? It is really both. And I would say that, you know, in the mental health field, we don't completely understand narcissism and what creates it. It's hard to study. You Mm. know, it's hard to get people to sign up for a study on that. (laughs) Let us understand your narcissistic tendencies. I can imagine people aren't lining up at the door like. Right. But in the way we have been able to study it, that, you know, we understand that it's a combination of nature and nurture you know, your wiring, your temperament, your sensitivity, and that basically a couple different types of family styles. Right, right. Okay. Got it. Either where you're really overindulged Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're treated like you are the most special child on the face of the earth and nothing is demanded on you, no limits, or you're kind of ignored and neglected. 
those are the two kind of styles. And then depending on your wiring, your temperament, you may wind up with narcissistic traits. Yeah. So what's the experience of someone who's in relationship with a narcissist? You mentioned a little bit about that covert narcissistic mom who's real needy. Mm -hmm. What are some other experiences that people have when they find themselves in relationship with a partner or a parent who's got those narcissistic traits? Okay. Well, you know, one of the main things about a narcissist, whether it's, you know, the grandiose style or the covert style, is they don't see other people. They don't understand other people's emotions. Everything in one way or another is about them. They simply just don't see other people for who they are. So if you are raised by a narcissist, either if they're grandiose, everything is all about them. This Mm -hmm. is a parent who's talking about themselves all the time, who needs to be the center of attention or needs to be taken care of. So you might have a mother who, you know, is because she's immature, still acts like a teenager who wants to dress like you, who is constantly blowing up and is very volatile. And her emotions are the most important Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. or needs you to take care of herself all the time. Yeah. So when you grow up with a mother or a father like that, you feel invisible. Mm-hmm. You learn to and read the room to be hyper vigilant, to walk in and kind of scan and see what kind of mood is this person in? What do I need to do to make sure things don't get worse? You feel guilty, responsible for their, the parents' emotions. You feel that there's probably something wrong with you that you caused this. And do you put all that on others as well? Like in other, so if that's the relationship you've been raised with, with your mom, and then you're in, you know, partnership with your husband or your wife, do you find that those kinds of like hypervigilance and I mean, kind of codependence a little bit, it sounds like, does that transfer over to the other relationships in your life as well? Or is it just mostly contained to that mother-daughter situation? Well, you know, it can be both. Certainly what can happen is that sense of, you know, it depends on the person, Mm -hmm. but that sense of what can carry on is that sense of of hypervigilance, of I always am responsible for other people. I'm always looking around what's happening. What do I need to take care of, of anxiety? You know, many people who are raised by a narcissist feel a sense of, you know, what we call, you know, these days people pleasing have really little ability to care for themselves or to set healthy boundaries. So in that sense, it might be very, you know, they might be vulnerable then to winding up in a relationship with somebody else who's narcissistic because they don't know how to, they don't know what they feel. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they want. They don't know how to take care of themselves. They might not, they might not wind up in a relationship with a narcissist, but they still don't know how to take care of themselves. They're yeah. always on the lookout, always on guard. Hey, 
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Well, and I'm thinking too, some of what you're saying, like, I mean, on some level, many of us, <laughs> or at least myself, like I definitely recognize people pleasing tendencies. I definitely mm-hmm. realize, you know, recognize my own relationship with self-worth. And, you know, so I'm guessing there are, you know, there's kind of like experiences, like surfacey experiences that people have. But what I'm hearing you talk about and what I'm guessing you're talking about is when those things become so big that they are getting in the way of life. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, we all know, Casey, right? In particular, women are vulnerable in this society, right? Women, moms. I mean, this is the message that we get from the time we're little. Be, Be a good girl, you know, do what you're supposed to do. So, you know, this is no doubt something that women 
are vulnerable yeah. to. And then when you grow up with a narcissistic parent, I think that is even amplified. Okay. Yeah. You have to take care of other people and you can't talk about it. It's a mm. secret. What comes along with that is guilt, shame, isolation, and depression. Yeah. And so that just amplifies it it all the more what, you know, comes with all the gender expectations. Well, and my guess too is, you know, like our parents have been our parents for our whole life. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when you're swimming in the water, you don't know what you don't know. And okay, I might be a kid or an adult, actually, a child of a parent who is just mm -hmm. hard, right? Like they're just annoying or they're just hard. Mm -hmm. Or it could be something different. Like, what are the indicators? You know, I'm thinking about listeners who might not realize that they're in this dynamic, mm -hmm. right? Because it's just the dynamic that they've lived with. So mm -hmm. what are some indicators to help people recognize like, oh, I'm actually dealing with a narcissist because, and the reason I ask that is because I'm guessing that there are some really strategic ways of, you know, of shifting our internal operating system so that we can begin to heal some of those ways of being that have come as a result of that relationship. So what are some mm -hmm. indicators for listeners in realizing like, oh yeah, this is actually, this is me. I am, mm -hmm. this is the dynamic I'm in. Okay. So no mother-daughter relationship is perfect, right? They're not, they can't be, they're not meant to be. And, and I just want to say that this is not a book about mother bashing. You know, I have two daughters myself and I know how hard the job is, right? It's very yeah. humbling. And there's lots of things that I wish I could turn back the clock and, you know, do differently. You know, you can only move yeah, forward. Totally. Okay. But, you know, for people who are listening to this, you know, if you grew up one with a mother who was constantly criticizing you, and I don't mean every once in a while, like, oh, honey, like that skirt is too short. <laughs> I mean, with not just a sense of maybe something you were, you know, wearing, but really it's to the depth of your core of who you are. And someone described it as if you make a mistake, you are a mistake. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not just criticism. It's criticism that's delivered with a sense of contempt. Okay. Yeah. That's what daughters describe to me. This sense of it's this voice, it's this tone of it's not just, you know, oh, honey, I don't want you wearing that. That skirt is not appropriate. It's that, you know, you're, why are you wearing that mm -hmm. over and over? This sense of, you know, you are a bad person, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And this lack of being able to see you or, you know, who you are, what you need, what you want over and over again, so that your sense of stealth becomes diminished and diminished. Mm -hmm. And if say that something doesn't go well for you as a daughter, it becomes about the mother, not about you. So let's say, you know, you tried out for the school play and you didn't get the role. Okay. You know, let's face it. I mean, I know as a mom, I would feel hurt. I'm disappointed. You know, we feel our daughter's pain. Sure, sure. But the mom, that becomes the biggest thing. I'm so embarrassed, you know, my friend's, you know, daughter got a role. How I just don't even know how I can face my friends. It becomes about her. 
as opposed to being able to comfort her daughter. There is a role reversal where it's the daughter's needs are not seen. Mm-hmm. And so she learns to silence her voice. It's like she is invisible. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the key difference between, you know, moms and daughters, you know, they can go at it. But when you're going at it, when you're arguing or you're not invisible, mm-hmm. okay, and you're not feeling like you are an, necessarily an object of contempt. Mm. Does that, I think mm-hmm. those are some of the key differences. Yeah. Um, and how does it show up, you know? So most of my listeners are parents of adolescents. Mm -hmm. And so now they're, we're all kind of in our forties and Mm fifties. And, you know, what does relationship with a narcissistic mother look like in midlife? You may see a lot of the same themes and then, you know, boundaries come up, boundary crossing, and then How do you handle that? Not only when it comes to yourself, Mm -hmm. but when it comes, you know, to your own children, you know, how do they treat your children? How do they treat, you know, your spouse if you have one or your in-laws? So, you know, perhaps maybe you have found some ways, maybe not to handle the comments that your mother makes to you, but Maybe then they start coming into your home and they start making those same types of comments to your child. You know, isn't she getting a little, little pudgy Mm -hmm. and your child can overhear, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to do about that? Or demanding that you come take care of them all the time when you have your own life to take care of. You really have to start making some decisions about how you're going to live, even if you're maybe overflowing with guilt Mm. and those people-pleasing tendencies. And what are you going to do when you have always felt like, I have to do what she says? And the point is that so many women describe to me, I hear the voice in my head all the time. It's like a tape that doesn't turn off. Well, and it's so interesting because I think the simplistic way of looking at this would be like, well, why wouldn't you cut someone like that out of your life? Mm. What is forgotten is this is years and years and years of this conditioning that I'm guessing, like I'm already filled with guilt and shame as the daughter Mm -hmm. of a narcissist. And now you're telling me to cut her out of my life. Like what kind of person would I be? Mm -hmm. Does that show up? I mean, that shows up a lot. I mean, and some people do, some people Mm -hmm. do cut off. I would say, you know, and there's no right or wrong answer. And certainly I don't advise people any which way. Sure, sure. Everyone has to make their own choice. Many people don't want to. Many people still want to have, you know, no matter what, that's their mother or their father. And they want to have some type of connection. And so then it becomes about how do you find your voice? Mm -hmm. How do you set a limit? How do you create a boundary that works so that the main relationship can be maintained in some way? How do you hear the criticism be like, "Eh." it's like, you know, fake news. It's like something that you heard on the, you know, radio, but you're like, I'm not paying attention to that. That That's not relevant to me. 
Yeah. So how do you support women? Because I know you work and listeners, I know that we're talking about mothers and daughters, and I'm guessing that it's like the patterns are between two humans, right? But yes. This specifically, your book specifically is mothers and daughters. So we're going to stick with those roles. So how do you, Stephanie, support women with creating boundaries in a relationship like this? Where do you start? Yeah. And, you know, I do just want to say, I think, you know, these same ideas really kind of apply to people, no matter what the narcissist is in your life, whether it's a mother-in-law or a sibling or a spouse or a former spouse or a boss, you know? So I think the first thing is, is, you know, really learning about it, really understanding what it is, because when you see it for what it is, as opposed to feeling like, this is my fault. I'm a bad person. I must have done something wrong. That makes all the difference in the world. So really getting what this whole thing is about, it's probably not going to change. Can't do anything about it. Then you can start to kind of set back and separate. Mm -hmm. Have some compassion for yourself. You can't control this. Start talking to yourself in a kinder way. Being able to be mindful about what's happening. So these are some of the skills I really, you know, teach people how to notice your thoughts but not have to take them so seriously. I mean, let's say it is an ex-spouse and, you know, they say really kind of a manipulative thing to you. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you know, you wouldn't want the lawyer, you know, to hear that you did this. You know, you just might be like, "Eh, you know, really? Okay. Versus letting a panic. And be able to see these behaviors as predictable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like the sun rises in the east. It sets in the West. This is predictable. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't change them, but you can change yourself, yeah. how you respond. So going back to what you said, you know, on the inside, a narcissist tends to be really fragile. And so they mm-hmm. develop these traits. I mean, I would think you didn't use these words, but it's almost like this skewed sense of safety for them, right? Like mm-hmm. well, I can be safe. If I'm sending you into a tailspin and I'm seeing it, some of the, you know, people in my life that are dealing with this, like that I'm learning from them, you know, okay, well, I know that when I get a certain kind of text message, really what that person wants is for me to engage and Uh become emotional. Uh And so my work is to not become emotional. That's exactly right. I love the way you put that. I feel safe. If I can send you into a tailspin. Yeah. And the thing is, even though it seems like, I mean, this person must know what they're doing. It must be, you know, deliberate. It really isn't. When you have this type of personality style, you have no self-awareness insight. Yeah. It's really just, I kind of compare it, Casey, to being colorblind. Like mm-hmm. someone who's colorblind, you know, maybe they can't tell the difference between red and green. And if you put those two cards in front of them, like a red one and a green one. And you said, come on, if you really love me, you could tell the difference between these two cards. Like they can't. Their brain doesn't work that way. It's kind of like that for a narcissist. They just don't have that capacity for that empathy and that self-awareness. 
They just don't. That's a really hard place to just come into acceptance around. It is. Oh, it so is. Like I'm thinking about, especially if it's your mom and it feels like, come on, get some help. Mm -hmm. Like see what you're doing. I would imagine it'd be really hard not to take it personally Mm -hmm. when it's just not something that they're willing to look at because they can't see it even when they're looking at those two cards, right? They can't see it. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. So then the acceptance has to come within you, within the daughter, within the spouse, within the, you know, I mean, there are things that you can change. You can, you know, in terms of your contact with them, right? Your relationship, but you can't change them. Sometimes people's behavior changes if you change your behavior towards them, but that's different. And it will be, you know, kind of moment to moment. And so I really also teach people about radical acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I used to think when I first learned about acceptance, I thought, okay, you accept, you're done. You know, like you washed your hands are clean. It's not, it's something you do over and over and over, you know, it's a process. Plus it's accepting your own feelings. That's the other side of the coin. It's not just accepting the situation, but I have to accept my feelings about it, my pain, my anger, my suffering, you know, instead of pushing those feelings away. Well, and letting go of this vision of the relationship that you feel like you should have or you could have, or they can work towards having, you know, I think that there's probably a lot of work, I imagine, around that as well, like just letting go of this idea that you're going to get there with this person, you know, a relationship that looks more balanced and loving if the person doesn't have the capacity for that. It's so true. And that is also a big part of it is letting go, not only of the childhood, the mother-daughter relationship that you never had, that you deserved, but the one that you're not going to have in the future. Because so often it is really hard to let go of it. I call it hope springs eternal. You know, that there's always this hope that, you know, maybe this Thanksgiving will be better. Right. And peace could come with, you know, that acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And you've said some things even in this conversation around like the ways that we think we're bad or we're wrong or the guilt and the shame that the daughter holds. How do you work with people to begin to dismantle? You've said a couple things already, but tell us a little bit more about how we can start to dismantle that negative thinking that shows up in this kind of dynamic. Okay, great. Well, one thing is sometimes we call it repetitive negative thinking or, you know, rumination, obsessing. And, you know, first of all, we're all vulnerable to this. You know, our brains are wired to do this. So it's not just daughters of narcissistic mothers, although research shows that they can be pretty vulnerable to it. So one thing is, and I know this is, I'm a kind of a professional ruminator. So I found it helpful to learn that one, we can't stop our thoughts. Okay. We cannot stop them. We can change our relationship with them. Mm. Okay. In psychology, we used to say like, picture a stop sign and to stop your thoughts. Now we know that actually backfires. It makes them come up more. So to learn to notice them, okay? You can say, oh, there's those thoughts again. I can let them float by. I can hear them in a different voice. I can call them my, you know, worry thoughts to label them, to externalize them, but not to give myself the burden of, I have to stop them or there's something wrong with me because Mm -hmm. I have them in the first place. That's a biggie. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, you know, I know we hear about mindfulness a lot, just maybe more than narcissism, you know, but it's so true. It's bringing ourselves back to the present moment. Okay. Over and over again. And listen, it doesn't have to be like you sit on your cushion and meditate for two hours a day. I call it, this is what really helps me, active mindfulness, Mm -hmm. which means I'm chopping my vegetables for dinner and I'm noticing the color and how the knife feels in my hand and the sound of the knife hitting the board. It's coming back over and over. I love that. And I feel like just breaking that down even a little bit more for listeners. So really what that is, is a practice of being outside the prison of your thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm paying attention to the sound the knife makes when it cuts the vegetables, the knife in my hand, the color of the cutting board, then I'm not sitting inside of the spin out of my mind. Something that I like to do and practice and share with my clients too is just 
you know, the deep breathings and the paying mm-hmm. attention to the sensations of breath. And it's not 45 minutes of that. Right. It's as simple as just regularly throughout the day, taking a moment and dropping into that and remembering that you can always, as you say, as you notice that you're in that repetitive rumination, choosing like, oh, of course. Well, first of all, I also like to be like, oh, of course. I just talked to that person that mm-hmm. always sends me into a crazy tailspin. So, of course, I'm in the crazy tailspin right now. That's that right. would be a good time to take those deep breaths and just really pay attention and release the hold. I wonder, is there some attachment also that if this has been the dynamic for 45 years... Do you find clients are kind of attached to this pattern of rumination? Mm-hmm. You know, that can happen. That's right. It becomes sort of a habit. Yeah. Like, right? who am I without this? Who am I right. if I'm not spinning out about my mom? Right. If I'm not spinning out about my mom or my kids, for some people, there's a sense of I'm solving problems this way. Mm. You know, I'm making things better. If I'm worrying about it or I'm thinking about it, I'm chewing on it over and over again. And so it can be helpful to ask yourself, is this, you know, a helpful thought? Is this something I can do something about? Or is this, you know, just noise? Is it like static? Like, you know, when the radio that we don't really listen to anymore gets, you know, trapped in between stations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Is it possible to maintain relationship with a narcissistic mom? Oh, I think absolutely. You know, I mean, some people choose not to. The other thing I want to point out is this occurs on a spectrum. Okay. Someone can have a few traits to being highly abusive and it can come and go. Like if someone's doing really great in their life, they might be less difficult, you know? Mm -hmm. So many people have a relationship, but they moderate it. Mm-hmm. They decide, you know, as they get healthier, you know, when and where. And, you know, they keep it with boundaries. Yeah. Phone calls, visits, time. There are some people who decide it's just too abusive and unhealthy and they don't, or it's a visit a year, mm-hmm. something like that. Really, there's no one fits all answer. Yeah. All right. So some of the skills that you've mentioned on this call are that mindfulness practice, just our Mm -hmm. own healing and self-awareness and growing inside of that. I would encourage anybody who's feeling like, oh my gosh, this is my relationship with my parent to find someone to work with, to help Mm -hmm. you really take apart all of that armor and conditioning that has been happening over time. So get support you need while also keeping up with your own practice. I'm hearing you, Stephanie, you've said the word boundaries a few different times. Mm -hmm. Again, working with a professional can be really helpful in starting to create boundaries because probably if you've been in this dynamic for a long time, that might be a skill that is not as developed as it could be. Is there anything else as far as skills to hone if you need to be in relationship with a narcissist. I'm thinking about some friends of mine that co-parent with people that are narcissists. That is really a tough one. You know, when you're in a relationship, especially, you know, a co-parent, 
I think it's really important to know what your triggers are and that, you know, there may be really some traumatic experiences that what we call get kind of laid down in the emotional part of your brain and they can get triggered without even, even you being aware of it. And then you just start to realize my heart is pounding or I'm sweating or I'm all of a sudden so irritable. So just start to be aware of those patterns, what your triggers are, so that when things are more predictable, you can start to handle them better. I mean, this could be this whole other podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, choosing your battles, Yeah. right? What can you be proactive about getting support, Mm -hmm. realizing you can't change them? What are the things that you have to live with? What are the things that you cannot live with and just changing your approach Mm -hmm. to them because their behavior is not about you. It's about them. Yeah. Well, and anybody that's listening, who's relating to the mother daughter experience, I, again, Stephanie's on to promote her book, adult daughters of narcissistic mothers. And so we'll make sure that there's links in the show notes to get people straight to your book as well. Is there anything else you want to make sure that you leave listeners with today, Stephanie, on this topic? Well, you know, just to really know that daughters and narcissistic mothers, anyone who's dealing with a narcissist, you are not alone. You know, particularly daughters come, you know, feel like they are alone with this and feel ashamed and isolated and something is wrong with them but you are not alone. There are other people who feel the way that you do. And so, you know, reach out for help, you know, tell somebody, tell a friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might find that someone else is like, oh yeah, me too. I just always felt so funny about talking about it. And, you know, that's why these podcasts are so great. When you share something, it just becomes a little less of a burden. Yeah. So in this context... I would love to know for you, Stephanie, what does joyful courage mean to you? Well, I love that question. I loved thinking about it. And, you know, I'll just share that during COVID, during lockdown, I went through a painful, you know, situation in my family and it really knocked me over. And what I really did is, this is, comes from acceptance and commitment therapy. I really focused on my values, which means showing up in the world the way that I want to, doing things that matter to me, Mm -hmm. being the kind of person that I want to be, no matter, you know, what's going on in my life. So I'll give you an example. So even though things were, you know, something that was going on that was really hard, I thought, well, what matters to me? Mm -hmm. Connecting with other people, doing things for other people. So I, I mean, we're still on lockdown. So I took an online Mahjong class. Don't laugh. What's Mahjong? I I don't even know what that means. Oh, it's this Chinese game that you play with tiles that traditionally, like I always thought just like old ladies play, but it's becoming (laughs) more and more popular. And so I learned how to play it online. And now that we're not on lockdown, I play regularly with a group of women. And I always thought, oh, I don't have time to do that. I have to work, 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 work. And so now I feel more connected. So that was something that's important to me. That was living by my values, getting out of my comfort zone, connecting to other people. And to me, that's joyful courage. I love that. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing. 
Where can people find you and follow the work that you do? Oh, well, thank you for asking. My book is on Amazon. My website is drstephaniecreesberg.com. If anyone is interested in learning more about hypnosis, which I practice, check out the New England Society for Clinical Hypnosis. We have great trainings and webinars. And so that's the main ways to reach me. Awesome. Great. Well, again, listeners, you know, you'll get to find all of that in the show notes. Stephanie, thank you so much for spending time with me. I'm really excited to share your work with my community and just really appreciate you being willing to be here. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Casey. I really am grateful to be, you know, a part of what you do. you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.